I'll start an online business. This will be easy. Yeah. I want to travel the world. This will be great. Yeah, I got four hours a week. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I can spare four hours from all my sleeping and drinking and video games. Um, spoiler, it's really hard to start an online business. If, you had if, people on the edge there for like I 10 know. seconds. They were all excited. Hello and welcome to Darken the Page. I'm your host, Dave Buddha. Today, I'm so excited to be with Mark Manson, who is a author and a blogger and truly um, one of my personal role models um, and heroes in the writing world because I'm, I consider myself a blogger. I consider myself someone who um, I'm definitely more interested in the, in the blogging world than I am the book world. And there's no one that has done it better, in my opinion, than this guy, Mark Manson. I, I traveled to New York City last week and interviewed him in his apartment in Manhattan. Uh, he, I walked in. It was on the 33rd floor of this beautiful building um, overlooking the Empire State Building. And I just said, man, this is you. You got the life. And he said, yeah, you know, my publisher treats me well. You know, it's a good life. And, and we talked a lot about how. Um, even, even that, even though Mark has a life that many writers would envy, uh, there's still, there's still more, there's still more longing and how that's just part of the human experience. Um, we talked about killing your darlings and, and what it was like for him to write this latest book, which, uh, just came out. If you're hearing this podcast now around September, it's called the subtle art of not giving a fuck, uh, after the massively popular article of the same title. And we talk a lot about what that process was like writing the book um, and what he learned, what it was like writing that book versus his first book, Models, which he wrote in three months. This one he wrote over the span of a much longer time and worked with publishers. And uh, it's a fascinating conversation. Uh, I, I'm very biased, but I really loved this conversation. I learned a lot for myself, and I think you're really going to learn a lot as well. Um, so make sure you go to darkenthepage.com. And you can find show notes, anything you want there. Uh, check out Mark's new book. It's called The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. It's available on Amazon. I believe the release date is September 13th. And so it should be out right now. And without further ado, here is my conversation with Mark Manson. So I kind of want to restate something that I had said earlier, which I think is really important because people might wonder... Like why, why this seems like, it's like such a self-serving interview? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> because that's that's the best. I mean, this whole podcast really is just for me, anyways. Um, as a writer, I just and um, I just really want to say again uh, how how important your what you've done has been for me personally as a writer. Um, not just because I saw that one guy with several opinions could. Um, could do something significant in terms of uh, creating, um, like creating a, a career, let's say. Yeah. Um, but also because you could do it in a way that your, like, the value was in your your self expression, like how much you could just be yourself, right. not how many, how much, how many books you could synthesize, or how well you you could apply your PhD, right. or how how you know how many countries you had visited. But just really to see that somebody just being really fucking honest could yeah. like that's enough. Yeah. And so um, 
just really happy that that's the case and I'm <laughs> glad to be here in this beautiful <laughs> view. Um, and so, so yeah, so thanks for, thanks for doing this yeah, and, no and problem, doing man. everything you've done. It's cool having you here. Yeah. Appreciate yeah. it. And again, I am going to really just get, it's going to be very self-serving, which I think always works out the best. Uh, hey, I, I always, I always tell people I write for myself first. Yeah. Like I think that's actually, maybe I'm already getting ahead of everything, but I think that's an important part of any sort of creative process is it, it needs to be for you first. It's yeah. nice that if other people like it, it's nice if you get popular and famous and make a bunch of money, but um, it doesn't work unless you're, there's some sort of like, well, I think we quit for yourself. Yeah. We might just quit. Cause yeah. it's like, well, I, why am I ultimately, why am I doing this? Kind of like we were talking about earlier, how life has a way of, um, you know, testing you to see if if there's enough intrinsic value in what you're right, doing because right. it's gonna hold, it's gonna withhold the external <laughs> yeah. values until you do it for yourself <laughs> in a way, you know. Yeah. Um, tell me a little bit how you how you got into this, like your X Men origin story. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, what what and and then at what point did you did did there was there a shift either internally or externally or sure. like when did it become like a thing? And and did you and was that surprising? I I always kind of say that like I I was an accidental writer like I never planned on having a career writing I never had any ambitions or aspirations to do it either um, but it's funny because I always wrote my whole life it's just I had always kind of assumed that it was just. I wasn't good at it or people didn't like it or, or whatever. Were you winning awards in like high school English? No, it was like the like, opposite. Look I at everybody. You could be like Mark. He yeah. wrote a great <laughs> essay. You know? No, it was the opposite. And I think that's why. So yeah. I, I, I was like a B minus C student. Yeah. Um, and I relate to that. Yeah. And especially in writing. And it's funny cause my, my essays and papers, they, they didn't get bad grades cause I was a bad writer. They got bad grades cause I always deviated from the topic or wrote, something just really off the wall that the teacher thought was crazy and yeah. didn't want to read about. Um, so I got really bad grades on my papers and I guess just, you know, as a 16 year old or whatever that just translated to me as like, Oh, I guess I'm not a very good writer. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, when the internet came along, I kind of turned into, uh, a little bit of a forum slut. Like I would, yeah. I joined like, political forums and music forums and i used to just spend i would spend hours just like hammering you know you know how it is like when somebody on the internet is wrong like <laughs> you it, it falls Stop upon the world you, <laughs> it falls upon you to explain to this person and set them right in their ways uh and i was that obnoxious 18 year old who like thought he was way smarter than he was and was gonna set the world straight on every single forum and so i would just just like vomit out these like pages and pages of posts that'd be like a great superhero like for a man <laughs> like <laughs> writing injustices yes. across the internet yes. from reddit to you know blog comments everywhere explaining why you're wrong <laughs> <laughs> never doing a never never making a damn difference in anybody's <laughs> opinions yeah <laughs> yeah so i i, I just kind of naturally did that for years and um it didn't occur to me it wasn't until you know, I was in my 20s that uh, I remember my roommate told me once he was like, because he and I were part of the same forum and he kind of looked at me and he's like, that's not, he's like, how long did it take you to write that? And I was like, oh, I don't know, like 30 minutes. And he's like, that's not normal, man. <laughs> like most people can't do that. But it, it never occurred to me that. And he, he thought it was really good. He thought yeah, it was just, oh, well, yeah. It was like a 
this is like a this is it's got some weight to it in yeah a way, right? well and by the time i was in my 20s you know the, these forums i was a part of i kind of became like one of the I, I don't know what the word is like the one of the more i guess recognizable voices yeah. on those forums like i i was the person that would post something and people would pay attention and listen and like and did you have know. a weird handle was it like your name or was it like you I know chicken guy entropy. 56 or something entropy okay yeah, cause i it, i always loved that concept yeah. In physics. Um, <clears throat> so anyway, in like 2008, 2007, 2008, I started, I read The 4-Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss. Uh-huh. And I was like, sweet, I don't want to have a job. Um, <laughs> I'll start an online business. This will be easy. Yeah. I want to travel the world. This will be great. Yeah, I got four hours a week. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I can spare four hours from all my sleeping and drinking and video <laughs> games. Um, and... So I, I tried to, I attempted to start an online business. I, I actually attempted to start a number of online businesses, like three or four different ones. Um, spoiler, it's really hard to <laughs> start an online business. If, you had if, people <laughs> on the edge there for like I 10 know. seconds. They were all excited. I hate to break it to you, <laughs> but uh, it's really hard to start an online business. It takes an insane amount of work, way more than four hours. Um, but you had all the training from sitting in front of your computer for a while, which I think is... Video games end up being good training for what it takes to start an online business because if you can't sit in front of a computer for 10 hours straight, I mean... Yeah, you've already got no You've life, already got so. that. <laughs> you've already got that. Your brain's already wired to like just shut off the need for like air and like nature and shit, you know? You, you already have no social life, so yeah. it's not much of a transition, but... um. <laughs> I think uh, there's a lot of truth to that. I'll, I, have a, I have a good handful of friends that are very successful online business people yeah. and all of them play video games. There, there's a weird like personality. I'd love to see like make this big Venn diagram because I, I've just seen so many people between internet entrepreneurs, uh, poker players, yep. hu- gaming nerds, and then um, what was the other one? There was another one. I can't remember now. Um, but anyway... So traumatized I, childhoods or something. Yeah, 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 of course. Like, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway, I, I was trying to start these businesses. And, and back in like 2008, 2009, like the whole big thing was blogs. Like if you looked at any marketing seminar, like the, the whole internet business world, everybody's like, oh, blogging's the big new thing. Everybody's got to have a blog. And, and so I was like, okay, I guess I need to have blogs for my businesses that don't make any money yeah and uh so i started blogs and i was like okay now i gotta write on them well i discovered that i can write very quickly and just kind of regurgitate information very quickly and uh long story short it turned out only out of all the businesses i started only one of them started doing decently that was date dating advice mm-hmm. um and then the other thing was out of all of the kind of like marketing salesy things i was trying to do I kind of realized after a couple of years that I was really only good at one of them, which was writing, blogging, basically. Like nobody really cared about my ads or my promotions or the affiliate marketing I was doing or the coaching I was trying to get started in. Like none of it really took, but the blogging, people loved it. Yeah. Uh, And it worked. It was nice because that was the part that had always been easiest for me. And and I, I had always enjoyed the most as well. Um, so in 2010, 2011, I was like, I should double down on this whole blogging and writing thing, see where it can go. And that was the first time in my life. I was, I think 26. It was the first time in my life that I was like, okay, I'm going to get serious about writing. Like I'm going to 
actually like i went out and bought like the stephen king book and like yeah the zinzer book and yeah, a bunch so of i have a few of those bird by bird so i have a few yeah like, on writing books yeah yeah so i i went and bought all those and read all those and started doing like exercises uh, i took a stab at writing fiction and um that's when i really started kind of paying attention like okay how do i get better at this and and start building an audience and and discover my own voice and and all the things like that and yeah and, and uh, what did what did com- what did taking that seriously or being committed to it, like what did that mean to you? Was there anything that was measurable, or was it like a feeling, or what? Um, and where were you before? I guess because you were still writing, but what right. did, what what shifted? The the big shift was I so I think I think I was always very good at two things, and I think this goes back to just all the forum posts and everything. I was always very good at uh, st- storytelling. Like, just kind of, like, A happened, B happened, like, telling it in kind of a cool way. Yeah. Um, and then I was always good at, like, kind of logically making an argument. Like, yeah, A exists, therefore B, therefore C. Yeah. Um, and keeping people's attention, too, which yeah. I think is part of storytelling, but a really important thing if you're trying to make a point is what yeah. I've noticed for myself, too. Yeah. Um, I think what I lacked before was <laughs> I was, to be honest, I, I just didn't, I didn't. Put I I wasn't very thoughtful uh, about about a lot of the the language I used. Um, I, I I think what what it needed to develop was that ability to kind of sit down and, and like hypothetically run through your head like three four or five different ways to explain one concept and then like figure out which one is best, why it's best, how how would you describe it, uh, things like that. You know, before that, I never to me the writing was never my central focus so it was just like oh i gotta explain this concept so i'll just like write this thing down and then move on um and more often than that than not um it came out really vague and it kind of didn't really work so for me it was more like just kind of really honing my thoughts and the language that applies to those thoughts getting really good at it just kind of understanding like the structure of language how people think how to like communicate certain very abstract concepts very clearly. Um, so increased effort, you'd say, maybe like each each piece of writing got oh yeah. more effort? Big yeah. time. Okay. Big time. Yeah. Uh, the writing got a lot longer. Um, you know, back, back when I was starting out, it was kind of like I'd sit down in like an aer- airport or something and I'd just like kind of whip up like 600 words. And I'm like, sweet, blog post, done for the day. You know, yeah. or like... Or I move on and work on other stuff. Now it was like, all right, writing's the big thing. So yeah, uh, I've got this idea. I want to explore it in depth. I want to have cool stories. I want to uh, yeah. segue from this story into this point that will make this the reader feel this. You know, it, yeah. there there was mu- a much deeper concern for um, I guess the reader experience and and making sure certain thoughts and feelings were being kind of imparted into their their brain. Um, but yeah, yeah it, it basically was spending a lot more time on it, mainly with revision. Um, I was always, I mean, I used to put blog posts up without even like reading over what I wrote, you know? Yeah. Um, cause back then it was just, <laughs> I was basically just kind of spamming <laughs> onto my own website. Yeah, yeah. Um, but when I started taking it seriously, it's like, okay, I, I need to go back over, revise, rewrite some things, go back, read it again. And that is just expanded as time has gone on you know yeah. at this point it's like i i go back over a piece three four times we'll rewrite rewrite entire sections yeah two three times um 
And I think I think that's directly proportional to how good of a writer I've been in each phase of my life. How how, how much I'm willing to like go back over something. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Did that also come the the commitment or going pro did that come with uh any kind of scheduling that you actually like you're posting on a schedule or was that already happening or was it um like you had okay, I'm going to do this like, like me for me like you know, but a year and a half ago a big shift was saying, I'm going to post every week. Now, mm-hmm. I'm not going to post crap, so right. I'm going to have to actually work on it. But every Monday, or you know, I'm gonna, right. something's going to come out, and I'm going to be proud of it. You know? So, yeah, my goal in the beginning was to do three posts a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, um, each of at least 1,000 words, and all three that like, I felt good about. You know, some yeah. of them... Some of them I thought were amazing. Sure, that's Some natural, of them I yeah. thought were like, okay, but it's like I needed to at least feel good about it. Like, I couldn't just... Because before that, it was like... <laughs> there would be times where I was like, oh, I haven't done a blog post for this... One of my websites in a right. while. Uh, Well, I saw this funny YouTube video, so I'll just like throw that on there and yeah, like yeah, yeah. write like two sentences underneath it. Yeah. So I decided it's like no more of that. Like, just focusing on the dating business... Uh, a dating advice business and just focusing on three really good high quality thousand word articles yeah each week yeah and I did that for about two years uh-huh. um, and that's then a lot of words I mean that's it is right when you went to the math on that one it's like 3,000 times uh, 52 times 2 right that's pretty good 300,000 words something yeah. like that yeah, yeah. Um, and then as time time has gone on since then I think the length and the quality of the articles has gone up. I think my average article these days is 2,000 to 3,000 words. Yeah. Um, but the frequency has gone way down. You know, it's like once, twice a month. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, the uh, the consistency. I, I look back over your archive to see that, and it seems as though, I mean, I think that's such an important phase, kind of why I highlighted those two years of yeah. 3,000 words a week or so, you know, because uh it, it like that's there's this cutting your teeth phase that's yeah. so important and obviously incredibly hard to notice improvement yeah. you know in that time it's not like you're yeah. going every week you go oh I'm getting better at this like you don't really know yeah. until you do and then that's kind of like oh cool like I'm really glad I spent that time you know, I mean, New York's a classic city that is like you have to like you have to put in your hours. Right. You may not notice it. Maybe you're a singer, but you're working at this like singing, you know, wait, singing restaurant and you're singing like three hours a night for people. And all of a sudden, two years later, like I'm a better singer. This is right. kind of nice. You know, right. And yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, during this time, too, I was still writing a lot of marketing, email marketing. Um, and I and I was doing some writing on my own, uh, just like experimenting. You know, I would get a crazy idea for a short story and I would try to write it up. And um, that's actually something that I noticed too was messing around a little bit with like fiction and poetry, even though I never produced anything that I was like, <laughs> I would ever like dare publish. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I think it it felt like it made me much better just because it was forcing my brain to, uh, I guess it was just pushing the limits of, of what I was capable of doing. And, and I felt like that translated over into my, I guess my nonfiction work. Yeah. 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 So this is something that I, I definitely wanted to, to talk about, but I feel, and I feel like it's kind of a natural um, transition to, so, you know, here we are on this, this writing journey. We learn that more effort equals better article. Right. <laughs> right and right. you can see where this <laughs> is going. Right. So it's like, 
so we start to put in more and more time. And I know for me, I reached this point where I realized like, I, I, I just kind of like, it was getting, I don't know. I was, I was just, I was, I was foregoing that like realization that I actually could write something amazing in 20 right. minutes and that I didn't have to edit. Like that might not be the true all the time, right. but I wasn't like, I wasn't letting myself go to that place. Cause I thought, well, I'm going to have, this is going to be a drudgery. This is, I'm going to yeah. have to grind this one out every time because, and so how did you experience that in a sense, you know, and, and where, you know, was there a place where you've, you found like, Oh, I, I need to find more of a balance between the yeah. effort and then just the free form, like going crazy. I always, I actually always try to shy away from a lot of those kind of common analogies you hear of like writing as a grind or, um, you know, putting your hours in and, and, you know, all of kind of like the pain and struggle that people go right. through. Right. I mean, obviously I've, I've experienced a Heroin lot of Heroin and, you know, yeah. and stuff <laughs> like that. Yeah. Yeah. Try to avoid that stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, obviously I've experienced some of that stuff, but like I try to avoid that, that kind of language for it because what I notice is, is if your expectation is that writing is going to be a struggle, then like, just like you said, like you're going to approach writing a piece with the expectation that it's going to be hard. And what I've found is that at least what works for me the best is to just approach writing with absolutely no expectations. So I'll have an idea for an article or a chapter in a book or something. And it's like, I sit down and I accept that it may be the best thing I've ever written. It may be absolutely horrible. Uh, it might be really hard to write and take forever. It might take me 20 minutes, like you said. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. And I need to be okay with all the results because as soon as you start like telling yourself, like, okay, this needs to be the best thing I've ever written or like this needs to be a certain length or it needs to get this level of popularity, um, you just set yourself up for, for so many head games that you end up playing with yourself. And, uh, and I think that harms writing. Like it, it's, you start putting pressure on yourself. You start trying to control the result. And as a result, as a result, you're, um, you know, the, the, the writing you're producing is, it just feels very fake and, and forced, um, which is never good writing. So it's, for me, it was, What's always worked for best for me is using benchmarks like the three articles per week or the the um, what I do these days is 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 just a time limit. It's just like okay, I like I'll look at my schedule for next week and it's like okay Monday like I want to do an article next week and it's like Monday I I'm gonna give myself like the whole morning, you yeah. know, and it's just I'm gonna write all morning, and I'd say half the time what comes out is like. I think is garbage and it's not publishable uh, other half of the time, you know, either something good or something amazing comes out. Sometimes, sometimes it comes out in 30 minutes and it's like, it doesn't matter. It's like you just show up and, uh, sit down and, and, and start putting words down like this. And it, you make a point to never get any more complicated than that. Yeah. In my opinion. Yeah. What is your typical, week like and I maybe even if it varies week to week like maybe a typical month but like so it sounds like you block out you know like a three or four hour chunk mm -hmm. um have you have you experimented with different stuff where you're like i'm gonna do one hour a day i'm gonna do x amount of words like what what is what have you experimented with and what has worked for you um i generally so i usually publish 
uh, about two two articles a month. Um, and then what I do is, what I've found, and again, I found this out the hard way yeah. um, through writing books, is that if I try to, I, my limit for like, really good creative work is about three hours like on a good day i might have four hours in me but um pretty much anything beyond that first three hours it's gonna be it's gonna be net net nothing there's no yeah yeah, there's no net gain so you know like i used to sit down and be like all right i need to i want to write like an entire chapter today uh and it's funny i see a lot of new writers who who do this and they sit down and they like brute force themselves through like eight or 10 hours of like grueling writing and they end up with like 7,000 words for the day and they're like so pumped and what yeah. I found was I feel like that's the that's what the edu- that's what maybe our educational system yeah. taught us to do because <laughs> they're like you have to finish this report yeah. and so get it done period and go and that's it not, and maybe that's we have to in school yeah. it's not like they plan to make us you know well like and I, I think there's a lot of glorification these days uh especially with our generation of like hyper productivity, you know, like life hacks and all this shit. It's yeah. like, it's like, Oh, I wrote a book in three days. Here's how right. you can do it too. Right. You know? So everybody wants to be that guy who's like, Oh, I, I put down 8,000 words in a, in a single day. Yeah. Um, what I found with myself is like, so let's say the first three hours I, I, I put down like 3000 words and then the, the next seven hours I put down 5,000 words what I consistently found was that second, that 5,000 words that came from all that time after the first three hours, yeah. it was usually garbage. Like it was really poor. Um, the majority of it was not usable. And the time that it took to sift through it and sort out like, oh, this is usable. This is, this section's not, oh, maybe I should move this here. Like, cutting out all of like the unusable stuff and then rearranging it and editing it back into everything else by itself took another eight hours. So it's yeah. like, I'm not really gaining anything by like pushing myself. Whereas what I noticed is that if I just sat down and had a really good two or three hours, uh, that was really creative, really focused. Usually I would wake up the next day and look at it and pretty much everything I produced in that first two or three hours was really good. Didn't yeah. require a whole lot of cutting didn't require a lot of rearrangement. I could just move on to the next two or three hours. Yeah. Uh, and so I had this weird moment when I was writing my last book where I realized that actually just writing two or three hours a day, I was far more productive than when I was forcing myself to do like eight hours of writing a day. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was, a, that was a huge kind of epiphany for me. So hopefully huge relief too, I guess. Oh God. <laughs> like my Great. life, my life got so <laughs> much go better. Outside, could, my know, life got so food. much better, man. Yeah. And it's, uh, yeah. Um, how did you, how did you balance writing a book and then also maintaining the writing for the blog? You know, did you have a, how did you work that? So what I, what I usually would do is I would write I would kind of block off an entire week. So these days, uh, a blog article usually takes me, um, I'd say three days total, like including all the revisions. and. That's about three or four hours a day we're talking right. about that kind yeah. of typical work day. Get it. Yeah. Um, so, and then about 50% of the time I'll start, I'll like do a first draft of an article or get halfway through a first draft and decide it's not very good. So, yeah. 
if you add that to it, then it's probably four to five days per article. So let's say a week per article. Yeah. Um, generally on most, most occasions. So what I would do during the book uh, is I would kind of like, uh, I would block off like a 10 day period or something. And I would, I would make it my goal to get like say three articles done in that 10 day period. Um, which would be kind of a squeeze, but like I could do it. And then I would schedule those to go out, say once every three weeks. So that would, that would buy me another like two months yeah. before I needed to, to publish anything else again. Um, so yeah, I kind of just would do that. I would, I would sit down take like two weeks, do three or four articles and then take the next two months for the book. And then yeah. I'd sit down for another two weeks and. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So it, it is think maybe better than switching back and forth like on a given day let's yeah, say yeah i like mean it, if you try to do them both at the same time like it's it's um you're just gonna harm them both yeah um tell me about your decision to write the book i mean i guess obviously it's something that just naturally gets kicked around right anyways but like what was was there a okay? I'm really gonna do this, and uh, like, what what was that decision like, or how did that come about? It's funny because I've been wanting to write a book for for years now, and um, I actually I had two false starts. And we're talking about this new book, right? The I new mean, one, yeah. So so then you had written models, and then that, I mean, like that's still a book and the same writing process. Mm-hmm. But this did, did this book feel different? This this was this more of like a book book. You know, in a sense, so I, mean, the, I don't know. <laughs> the process, so we can talk about both. Um, the process, the processes for, for each book was like, I don't, you can't get more different for each yeah. one. Like it's polar opposite. Um, so my first book, uh, Models Attract Women Through Honesty, it was, uh, it was for my dating advice business. I wrote it in 2011. It was very much written in response is very much like a counterpoint to kind of all the pickup artist crap that had come before it. Right. You know, it was like, I want to write a book that is still about like helps guys be more attractive and date more women. But I want to write it from a standpoint of being honest, vulnerable, open, um, yeah. Having high integrity. Yeah. And at the time that was pretty like, scarce in the market so yeah um i would say i would say still somewhat scarce in a yeah. way it's gotten better you know yeah. yeah yeah um so the thing the thing about models was first of all it was self-published because i still had a pretty small platform at that time um and it it really came out so i wrote the whole thing in like three months um which looking back it was too fast mm-hmm. um i it needed it took another couple months of like editing and fixing stuff to get it to a good place. Um, but that experience was very much, I had already been writing dating advice for I think three or four years. Um, I'd been consistently dealing with kind of always responding to all this kind of pickup stuff all Mm -hmm. the time. Um, so what would happen is I would write an article about like honesty or whatever communication and and I would get tons of tons of men who who whose background was in the pickup artist stuff like emailing me trying to argue with me at like confused what I was talking about why yeah. this would work things like that 
So I, I had years and years of kind of like pent up Q&A and stuff, yeah. Views and, and like just whole monologues that I had already gone on multiple times with multiple yeah. people. Uh, just all kind of built up inside me. And I, I was really kind of getting fed up with it in 2011. And I, I felt I felt like I was very stuck with that business where it was. Like I didn't really want to be in dating advice anymore. Mm-hmm. And I certainly didn't want to be in it in the state that it was in. So I kind of, I reached this point where it's like, all right, I'm going to write a book. Uh, it's it's kind of it's kind of going to be my final statement on all this stuff. Yeah. And then I, I just have to move on. Like, I can't do this forever. I don't want to be like that 40-year-old guy who's like still telling you where to take a girl on the first date. Like, it's just, yeah. this was cool for a couple of years. Like, I got to move on and do something else. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, it, it all came out very spontaneously in fact a lot there's like tons of fragments of that book are actually adapted from um blog posts i had done uh emails i had written yeah um conversations i had had in person with people uh a lot of examples from people i knew in my own life things like that so that that book came out very quickly in a very specific and clear purpose uh and it and it was self-published so i didn't have to go through the whole rigmarole of yeah a million edits and answering to yeah. eight, eight different people or whatever and now speaking of the rigmarole yeah <laughs> so the new book um this you have, is you have a title for it yeah so it's called the subtle art of not giving a fuck oh nice yeah <laughs> um so this book it's funny it's it's models was like almost too easy like i i always kind of felt like one like that freakish you know, like when you were a kid, there was always there was always that one kid at school who just like, like, oh, I've never touched a basketball before, and then he like goes and scores like thirty points, or like you know, yeah. just that there was always that one kid who you just everybody hated because he something was really easy for him. So yeah. I always felt that way with models. Like I started meeting all these authors, and they're like talking about how hard their book was and how long it took them and yeah. how they don't know how to write. You yeah, know, a chapter or whatever, and it's like models just came out. Yeah, like, what what word do I use? Microsoft Word? And yeah, then I use a program. <laughs> like, dude, I already wrote a chapter in the time it took. Yeah, to think ex- about that, you know? <laughs> exactly. Um, so I feel like I'm 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 making up for lost pain. Yeah, <laughs> with, <laughs> nice. with this new book. So I had two false starts with this book, um, and that was really just because. So after I published models, I changed my blog. I decided I was like, I can't do the dating advice thing anymore. Right. I wanted to write about much m- deeper, more personal subjects. Um, you know, emotional issues, people, psychology, yeah. um, culture, how, how all these things kind of affect us. Uh, and so I started writing about that. And the blog grew very quickly during this period. And it also evolved very quickly. So my thinking evolved. I was learning a lot. I was reading tons of books. Um, and so the first two books I actually sat down and tried to write, I thought that was like the direction I wanted to go in with my work and mm-hmm. my ideas. And then it just became clear about 10,000 words into it. Like, just like, uh, no, I don't want to, this isn't the right thing. So yeah, you're not going for a PhD. Right. Exactly. <laughs> um, so it actually took me probably so the, it took me three tries to actually just get the right book. Uh, this is, this and that by itself is like nine months of, yeah. 
of work, you know? This is more of like a, um, maybe like a question a therapist might ask you, but yeah. like what, what is it, what do you think it is in you that, that clearly is like drawn toward like this kind of academia type, you know, writing or yeah. like that, that's like, I want to, you know, have like an entry in Encyclopedia Britannica. Like what, yeah. it seems like there's these two sides of you, right? Yes. There's like the don't give a fuck side. And then there's like the, you know, like horn room glasses side. <laughs> like what, what is it about you that makes you want to do that? I don't know. Oh, I, I think I'm just a nerd. Like yeah. I, I really am. Like I, I, I really get excited about stuff like that. You know, like I, one of the coolest books I read last year was about, I think it was called, uh, it was basically a book about how it was a theory of how socializing can actually affect like our neural chemistry. Like uh -huh. I get really like I just get really excited about stuff like that. Yeah. I, I totally nerd out to it. Yeah. Um, and part of that excitement, you know, and, and a huge part of writing for me and I think for everybody is like, you need to write what you're excited about. Like what is, what is really applicable or, or poignant in your own life at the time. And so sometimes I just get so far down these wormholes that like, and I just, I, and I, I think some of these things are so cool. I just want to show it to everybody. Yeah. And um, yeah. there are a lot of people in my life who are, uh, their whole kind of role is to rein me in. Like yeah. <laughs> yeah. my editor, my agent, I have, a, I have a research assistant who, you know, every once in a while comes to me. He's like, dude, should like <laughs> cut this stuff out. <laughs> this is really, yeah. this is really bad. Um so yeah, and, and then and then I guess there's kind of the other like the video game playing, whiskey drinking, uh, girl chasing side of me that like just wants to be entertained and like have fun a lot. Yeah. Um, and so like finding the balance between those two sides of my writing is kind of a constant struggle for me. If I go f too far to one end, then I think I end up, you know, too far to one side, I just become shallow. Too far to the other, I become boring. Sure. Um, yeah. And definitely with the first two goes with the with the book, it was like definitely way too far on the nerdy side. Yeah. I think too that looking back, I think there was a lot of insecurity. Um, my site was just becoming popular. So suddenly I was finding myself with like tens of thousands of readers and uh, or hundreds of thousands of readers and, and um, you know, getting hundreds of emails and, and I, I think there was some in insecurity around like, oh, I need to prove that I, I deserve this. Sure. I, I need to prove that I'm smart enough to say the things that I'm saying. You yeah. Know? Um, and so I think I went a little bit overboard with the research and trying to prove all that stuff. Yeah. Um, that makes sense. I mean, I can totally get that. You know, yeah, we, yeah. we all have some ways that we we do that, I think, yeah. you know, because we think that and, and we default to the things that are like universally acceptable as like, you know, profound or successful yeah, it's like yeah. well hey like if i you know i mean that's where we grew up with the academic you know the, our academic standards say yeah. that if you research a bunch of stuff and then you publish something looks like some like science paper research thing then like you're legit yeah or that's you know that, i get it yeah yeah and, and there's i think there's a little bit of a like a grass is always greener type thing so a beautiful thing about having a, a popular blog is that you know i i have an audience of millions you yeah know, it's like people actually read me which is is um is something every writer wants but 
when you're a per, a personal blog, you're kind of like at the bottom of the credibility totem pole. Like, uh-huh. <laughs> like you're just above like, you know, daytime TV shows and like <laughs> just below like, you know, 17 magazine. Yeah. And um, like you really aren't like uh, the most people's perception, I think, or immediate perception is just that it's not blogs are not very credible. Yeah. Like it's just, it's kind of a lot of fluff. I'm glad you brought that up. Cause it, it reminds me of something that I, that I may have forgotten. And this was really significant. So I was reading Elizabeth Gilbert's latest book, yeah. big magic. I really enjoy it. I think right. she's a wonderful person. I'm listening to it in the audiobook, you know, driving in my car. And then all of a sudden she's like, and you know, this, uh, this really important, um, uh, example from blogger, Mark Manson. Yeah talking about, um, you know, eating your shit sandwich in life purpose. And I was like, I mean, it really, I felt like it was like a, it was like when Obama came out and said like, guys, gay marriage is cool. Like, I was like, (laughs) holy shit. Like Elizabeth Gilbert just like quoted Mark in her book as if he was Socrates or something, you know? And, and that was a really significant thing. Cause I have it too, that I'm like, well, it's a fucking blog, whatever. Right, Right. But I was like, damn, like that's, you know that she wasn't trying to throw a nugget to bloggers out there. She just genuinely read something that right. moved her in the same way that she would read it from Eckhart Tolle or whoever the fuck, right. you know. And it's like, oh shit, yeah, that was really cool. Like that moment. Oh yeah. And I don't know. I mean, how did, did you have any reaction to that? Did people people started telling me before I didn't? Yeah. Like I I hadn't read it when the book came out. I started getting some people I knew read it, and they like, they actually somebody on Twitter took a camera phone picture of the paragraph yeah and and sent it to me and i was like oh my god yeah um the funny thing about that i've been trying to contact liz gilbert just to <laughs> thank her like yeah. i just want to thank her i just want to be like hey that was really awesome that yeah you, like that I, that you mentioned me in your book and uh, and i too like i i read it i never read her stuff and the book was the type of book that i usually don't don't expect to enjoy and i actually yeah. i really liked her book yeah. um and so i just wanted to send her a little note being like hey thanks and by the way i thought your book was pretty awesome yeah um she's impossible to get in touch with like yeah. it, which i don't i'm not surprised yeah. since she's like eat pray love lady but yeah um i have been trying for <laughs> like four months to get in touch with her just to say thank you i've tried through my agent i've tried through everybody <laughs> and, like That's nobody funny. can get a hold of her um, so yeah, if anybody out there and pod- I, 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 I know land. someone that, 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 that <laughs> interviewed her and she seems to have a nice contact with her, but, but that's funny in a way that's like a counterpoint. It's like, okay, look at the significance of a blog cause she writes about it, but she's still went into the emails from a blogger. Shit. All right. <laughs> Whatever. We had our moments. So, yeah. you know, that's about it. Well, one day, one day I'll, I'll, I'll thank her. But, um, but yeah, but I thought about that a lot because that really, you know, I, I, I downplay the significance of a blog and I wonder in 50 years or a hundred years, what people would, uh, would say if, if yeah. that was just like, like, oh, of course that blogger, you know, right. created this political movement and, or whatever the hell, like, you know, whatever we think books can do. I wonder in 50 or hundred years, whether we're going to say the same thing and just have it at blogs or just like that. Well, w- we are in a weird point where I think some blogs have been pretty massively influential. Like if you look at something like, like Drudge Report, the political, the right wing political blog, like it has arguably been more influential in politics than like a lot of newspapers and magazines. And, uh, and yeah, you never hear it talked about. You never hear it like 
discussed in kind of like the same reverential tones that like say the New York Times or the Washington Post or whatever. And um, but yeah, it's funny. It's something that I I find, uh, and maybe it's something I'm still insecure about. But it's like yeah, it's there's the there's a credibility that I mean, it's uh, like Wikipedia. It's like right in a sense. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Like. There is credibility and there isn't, yeah. I guess, you know? I and mean, it's getting more credible and more people are trusting it. But, yeah. Um, yeah. But, yeah, it's something that I, I guess kind of, like, eats at me a little bit Yeah. Um, in my work. Yeah. Maybe your publisher could send you, like, something when you publish this book, like a some kind of certificate of, like, uh, you know, like, they're like congratulations <laughs> mark we've published you which means that you know you can <laughs> you deserve to be listened <laughs> you to deserve this yeah. now you know you earned this the real the old-fashioned way you know well, it, it is really weird because like there's a lot of there's a lot of areas so so say for instance and you see it like i think ted is a really good example so you have ted talks and then you have yeah. tedx right and tedx it's literally like any jackass on the street can get up on stage and like, yeah but that's my life goal to be a TEDx talk. Yeah, you, can't, you can't. That's significant. It's like Amazon bestseller. Come on, yeah. man. <laughs> Jeez, you know. Um, and nothing wrong with that. I mean, it's cool. Like it's it's. There are a lot of great TEDx talks, but like, but like it's literally yeah. like it's. Well, anybody can start a TEDx conference. Actually. Anybody can so start a TEDx conference, and then pretty much anybody yeah. can speak at one. Uh, and then you have the actual legit TED talks, which is like. Yeah. It's it's a really small club and it's insanely hard to get into and it's yeah. like they come they pick you not the other way around. The um, wait, but why guy did a TED talk? Yeah, right. Yeah, which and is cool. I, which I'm I'm trying to get in <laughs> touch with him to find out how the hell he got it. No, Tim's a really good guy, but yeah. um, I, I I actually do want to know how the hell he got that. Yeah, but um, I don't think he knows how the hell. I don't he got think that. he, he, he was probably like, doesn't know. Was either. there like I read I saw it and I read about it. His whole talk was basically like how. Like this Why was so weird. Yeah. This is so strange. <laughs> and then he ends the talk. And you're like, all right, th thanks, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, it's kind of. Um, I think it's a good example of of like the. The, the dichotomy that's going on now between like you you have these kind of two realms that exist at the same time. You have this like, this plurality of like anybody can say anything anybody can get published and put a book on amazon anybody can start a blog and be heard and but there's still like kind of uh even if you become really popular in that realm there's still kind of not this the same credibility or, or reverence you don't get the jacket for the work yeah, yeah exactly yeah. whereas like there's this other world where there's like very strict gatekeepers of like newspapers publishers magazines um producers who pick and choose you know these like few dozen people get to be heard more than anybody else and there's like a, a very special kind of like credibility that comes with that yeah um that that a lot of industries still operate on that you know it's like if you yeah. I, like i've done with this book that that's coming out this fall like I, i've done some research about like bestseller lists and it and it's like really stupid a lot of like first of all the new york times apparently the new york times bestseller list is like completely arbitrary and and the editors basically like kind of take a list and they're like oh we like these we don't like these but um it's insane it's like if you just get like on the bottom of that list suddenly it's like all these corporate speaking gigs open up and speaking agents want to want you to hire hire yeah. them and like all these like conferences start calling you and and it's 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 really arbitrary and kind of 
uh, well, totally subjective, the, the delineation between those two realms, but it exists. And it's like, it's a fact of, like we were talking before the podcast about how like writing the right, like being a writer in the publishing industry right now is in a very weird place that it's like, it's still kind of like old school, but it's kind of new school too. And it's yeah. like, I think that's that dichotomy. Like it, there's a really weird division yeah. going on right now. I, I want to also, I want to speak to a little bit of the, I guess the, not the irony, but the like from, so from my perspective, because I'm, I'm not you and I can, I, you know, I don't have the, the hamsters in my head and things like that. <laughs> you know, I, I, I think it's really, it's significant that like, here we are, you know, in Manhattan, yeah. you know, at an, uh, an apartment that's, that's being paid for through the fact that you're an awesome writer. Right. It just has to be, this, this is the fact. Right? right. And, and it's like, this is, you're living uh, a dream of so many writers. Right. To be able to, to, to finance a life, you know, in a cool city like this to actually to write. Right. And that you're writing. And yet there's still those kind of thoughts. There's still like it's the never enough, man. Right. It's, it's, <laughs> and it's not even that you need like more. It's just no. that like, where is like, where do we get off in terms of like, I've, I'm like for real, like, yeah. this is for real. Like, right. This is cool. Right. Like here we are. Yeah. And, and yet there's still like a, Oh, I don't know. Like maybe if I was in the 70th for the empire state building, looking down on <laughs> me here, yeah. you know, and it's kind of interesting that we all, cause we all experience this and I right. experience it too. And so I'm really just talking to myself too, in my own totally. position. Being well, like, I mean, you know, it, and it's, it's just a, and I write about this. Like, it's just a fact of human condition. It's like, we are wired to always look for the next thing, yeah. you know, and to be, slightly unsatisfied with yeah. whatever we have no matter what it is no matter what we achieve it's like our brains are set up to like get bored with it and look for the next thing yeah. and and um and yeah i'm doing great like it i agree like my career like fuck man like no complaints you know like right. it's things are amazing but of course there's like that one little <laughs> blemish that's not quite fulfilled and like here i haven't got that letter from obama yet yeah it, <laughs> it's coming and here know? i am talking about like man i wish i had more credibility you right. know like it's right it's always something it's always something and and um you know and, and and things will change like who knows like you know maybe the book does great maybe it does bad and i end up going and doing something else like it, it's yeah you, you never know what's going to happen but but that will definitely always be there of like like there's this there's always something just out of your reach that there's some door that's closed that you wish you knew at the other side yeah you know i had this experience recently so i have a friend luke wade who was in the show who was on the voice a couple seasons ago and yeah. he made like top eight and so he's you know he's he's a fucking awesome singer i mean yeah it just you just listen to him you're like you're an awesome singer and i remember and i've also I've done gigs with him so i feel like yeah. okay like i can relate to this guy like right. he's a great singer but like if you know I don't know, like I, I could just see myself in his shoes. And so he's on The Voice. He does the blind audition. All four coaches turn around and all four of them basically like, you have an amazing voice. Yeah. And I was like, wow. Because that's a, that's a weird thing to try to evaluate yourself, like how good your singing voice is. Right. That's, you, actually, yeah, yeah. that's just weird. I mean, it's like you're, you're battling so many ridiculous thoughts. And I was like, huh, like if I was there on the stage and I had those four people who arguably are very influential and know what they're talking about, right. I'll say your voice is amazing. You've made it vocally. Like, would I believe it? Right. Or would I actually just be like, okay, cool. 
I'm my vibrato is is enough, right? Or my range is enough, or whatever I think I need to get to vocally is enough. Yeah. And I wonder what it would take. And I'm sure I wouldn't. I'm sure I'd still be like, well, I don't know. I could just the guy Columbia Records guy said it was all right, and blah blah blah. You know, it's just yeah. ridiculous. You know. Yeah. I, I I think I think most people are like that. You know, I I know I've seen like uh like I play guitar and I used to be way into guitar and I remember seeing interviews of like huge star guitar players like guys like Steve Vai and Satriani and Petrucci and like mm-hmm. you know people would interview him and be like oh that that guitar solo you recorded on this song was like the perfect solo the perfect solo yeah, <laughs> yeah, and, like, yeah. and like the guy would just like put his hand in his head and and he'd be like he's like i can't even listen to that solo I yeah. there's like six mistakes just in the first measure yeah. you know like it's, it's eric clapton didn't like the unplugged album he's like i don't want to put this yeah. out i think it's terrible yeah you know, it's yeah. musically it's not very good <laughs> and it just you know yeah it's ridiculous humans man we're hopeless yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um so so after after this book comes out and you're a real writer, uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, I finally get to put the star next to my name. Um, what's this What's this book writing process been like? What's maybe a few things that have been surprising about it for you, or, or interesting, or or worth reflecting on? the The biggest surprise for me was um, was what I said earlier was discovering that a good a really good three hours was far more productive than like grinding out eight hours. Um, that was huge for me another thing i noticed is well i i wouldn't say it was kind of like a something i noticed it was more of like a skill i developed is like getting good at cutting things um and get, becoming okay with cutting things yeah uh i think that's something i think that that's something that you hear all the time in writing advice you know cut your Kill, kill your darlings, your darlings yeah, and yeah, all, yeah. all that stuff. Um, I don't think, and I had always done that with articles, you know, it's like, I was like, oh, this paragraph really shouldn't be here. And you cut yeah. it and you're like, oh, that sucks. And you move First, on. First, you put it into another Word document. Yeah. I'll get to it later. And then you don't. And you're like, all right, now yeah. I'm just going to kill this shit, you know. Until you've like killed entire chapters, <laughs> in some cases, like half an entire book, you know, yeah. like it's, the pain is real, man. Yeah. Like it, yeah. it's real, it's legitimate pain. Um, but I, I, I'm really kind of, I guess I'd say proud of myself that because toward, by the end of the process, I reached a point where like, I felt pretty good about it. Um, about the killing. Yeah. Like I, I, there was like a, a week before my deadline, I emailed my editor and I was like, I think I'm just going to, cut all of chapter 11 out yeah and he was like why and i said because i just read through everything and it's worse than all the other chapters and i don't think we should have a bad chapter in the book and he's yeah. like all right kill it you know and like it 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 actually got to the point where it was kind of relieving it's like oh wow like it kind of feels good to like let off all the dead weight and to yeah. kind of like let it go let go and not feel like all your thoughts are so special and like need to be heard all the time. Yeah. You know? for, for example, with that chapter, did you literally kill it or did you put it somewhere else or just, it, just, no, killed just it, literally gone. killed it. Right. See, I think that's a very, <laughs> it's a very important thing because there was many years when I would kill stuff, but I wouldn't really kill it. I would just like put, lock it up in a jail somewhere, Yeah, you know, <laughs> but I didn't actually go back to it, but it was, but there is like a courage. There's like a fierceness in saying, no, this is gone forever. Yeah. And that's how much I trust that, 
I can come up with shit. Right. Like, I don't have right. to like, I don't have to like be like, Oh, this idea. It's so yeah. great. Like, no, actually I can come up with other stuff. And yeah. if it's not great, it's not great. See yep. you later. You yep. know, and I'm certainly not going to go back and try to like extract a paragraph and expand on that. Like that's not, that's not really where the greatness is going to come yeah. from. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And, and every once in a while you do have situations where you find little nuggets that you can keep, but it's funny actually from, from one of the early drafts, like I cut so much stuff from some of the early drafts that I kind of did what you said early on, which I was like, all right, I'm going to put all this stuff aside and I'm going to keep it and maybe turn some of it in the blog post. Yeah. Um, and then actually by the time I finished the book, I had probably 30 or 40,000 words of everything from like single paragraphs to like entire chapters yeah. of just kind of like remnants of what was cut out of the book. Um, and my assumption while writing the book was like, oh, this is going to be great. I'm going to have material for like 10 blog posts at yeah. least, you yeah. know? And, uh, and I went back through, after I finished the book, I went through everything that had been cut and it, I think I got one post out of it. Like everything oh, okay. else, I'm like, wasn't good enough for the book, not good enough for the blog. Either. Right, right. <laughs> you know, like this is just not, this is just 30,000 words of not good writing that I produced. Yeah. And you just, oh, and that's okay, just that's part it. Of it. That's just part of it. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Uh, that's a really important point. Yeah. 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 That's, that's a, there's definitely like a maturity curve. I think that, that, that yeah. people go through with that. Um, so uh, what would you say to a few writers? So, it, you know, if, if you're, if if you're good at anything, it's mm -hmm. it's 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 you've, and I love the title the the book you're going right. said a lot of not giving a fuck like, what is it? And I, this is more of a geeky like philosophical question, but like, yeah. what do you think it is that keeps people from not giving a fuck? Like maybe top three, uh, <laughs> human conditions or something. Like what you know why why is it that we that it seems so easy in a sense? Right. Right. Um, you mean prevents people from being able to not give a fuck? Yeah, like if there's a, somebody listening that's right now, it's like, oh, I do see myself like trying to please everybody and my yeah, parents yeah. and all that. And I love the way Mark writes. He doesn't seem to care. And he talks about yeah. burritos and all this kind of the crap. Like what, <laughs> what, is it that, what is it that you could tell them that might be helpful? Um, so for me, it's there's actually kind of, there's three chapters in the book that are each, they're, they're kind of like, single singular focal points um one of them is is uncertainty and not not just the ability to deal with uncertainty but actually under like coming to the understanding that like we don't really know what the hell we're doing yeah um at any given time and you know when i talked earlier about doing all kind of like diving into all like the psychological research and stuff that i did for a few years that was probably the biggest thing i took from it is like the more i researched psychology and trying to understand like how our brains work and how our identities work and how our emotions work and our memories and everything you just realize that like our brains are really inefficient like we just suck we don't remember things correctly we don't predict things correctly uh we don't we're not even aware of how we feel we're not aware of how we felt like we we misremember how much we liked or disliked things in the past we we mispredict mispredict I don't even know if that's a word. Yeah. Mispredictive, whether things will make us happy in the future. Um, we make all sorts of like biases and stereotypes and logical fallacies constantly. And for me, this was actually like a very liberating discovery because it means that all of like those horrible things that I tell myself or we tell ourselves, uh, 
we don't know. Like, you really don't know. Like, if, yeah. if, if I'm sitting here being, you know, it's like the whole, we were just talking about, like, my insecurity about my credibility. It's like, right. I have no idea. Like, it's, right. it's always very therapeutic for me to, like, take a moment and be like, wait, I really don't have a fucking clue if yeah. I have a credibility issue. Like, this is all a narrative that my brain has constructed for itself. Right. Uh, and it's holding on to. And that brain is not trustworthy. That brain makes yeah. all mistakes all, all the time. And for me, that's a very kind of liberating thing. And it helps me like let go and just be like, Oh, you know what? Who fucking cares? Yeah. Um, the second one I focus on is failure. And, um, there's a lot of, I, I specifically wrote this book as very much like a counterpoint or kind of like a new school of thought of like self-help or self-development. And that is, so I originally wanted to call the book negative self-help yeah. and it was for this reason is because it's basically the whole book is like a school of thought of self-help based on, um, embracing your problems, dealing with your struggles, accepting failures, mm -hmm. because those things are, are ultimately, I think what helps you, uh, like relieves the pressure of, of having to do everything right or having to know everything all the time. Yeah. Um, I think one thing that's that I've been particularly good at in my life for whatever reason is is um I've screwed up in a lot of ways like I've gone through a lot of shit mm -hmm. um and and I think you see this with a lot of if you look at like a I mean you see it with a lot of of people who become successful later in life like somebody like Anthony Bourdain you know it's like people who have like very there there seems to be kind of a correlation of people who have like very very difficult backgrounds where they have a lot of challenges in their life and then they become very successful later on. And I think that's because when you've dealt with so many painful things, you kind of realize it's not such a huge deal anymore. Like there's not really much of a reason to be afraid of yeah. trying something new or screwing up or being laughed at. Yeah. Um, and then the third thing I focus on is, is, is actually rejection. Um, I, I joke I joke in the book and I actually, I, I joke, I have an article coming out next week that I joke about, uh, um, bringing back no, like, cause everybody's all like, Oh, say yes all the time. Just say yes. Stay positive. I'm like, no, yeah. I, I'm, I want to bring back. No, like no, no is like, no is some powerful shit. Like saying no to stuff that doesn't matter. Saying no to people who like don't respect you or your time. Um, saying no to bad relationships, to agreeing to things that are hurting you. Mm. Um, like these are things that it, saying no is a skill that like I think every healthy person needs to develop. Um, and I think, you know, when, once you reach this point, uh, in your life where you realize like something's not really helping you, um, you know, it's like if you're going out and partying and drinking all the time and it's like really negatively affecting other parts of your life, like you need to learn how to say no to it. Like say yeah. no to like chasing, uh, feeling good all the time. Say no to chasing excitement and novelty. Say no to um, trying to win other people's approval all the time. Yeah. Like it, it's it's a skill that needs to be practiced and cultivated. And I think our culture today is doing a very poor job of teaching people how to do it. Yeah. Um, I feel like that's related to the kill your darlings thing in yeah, a lot of ways. For absolutely. me, it's the same kind of courage that it takes yes. to let go of like, oh, this is my drinking buddies that don't they just suck the life out of me like yeah see you later you know yeah. like um and it hurts and it hurts and it, it's, really, it really hurts is like throwing that like chapter in the trash yeah 
you know, I just, uh, but I just spent five years in these relationships. Like, what am I going to, you know, right. uh, what, what happened? Am I, what Who am I going to be? What am I going to do? Like, am I going to come up with new friends? Yep. Oh my gosh. You know, like that's so hard. And yeah. 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 Um, but that's really what it's all about is, is, and, the, and the whole idea, I mean, the not giving a fuck thing. And I know this is going to be an issue when I start doing like publicity shit for this book. Um, cause I'm already like, it's, are you already giving a fuck? Is that what's going on? No, like, <laughs> it, it's not clear. Um, so when m- most people hear like, don't give a fuck, yeah. not giving a fuck, their, their immediate assumption is like indifference. It's yeah. like, it's like, Oh, just be this like badass that like nothing bothers you. Or right. Um, and one of the first points I make in the book is like, actually like that's impossible. Like indifference is impossible. What not giving a fuck about is really about or learning to not give a fuck is really about is learning to choose what is important in your life. Consciously choose what you find important in your life and consciously choose what you don't find important in your, in yeah. your life. Because you being the operative word, what yes. you find important, what you yes. don't find important. Yeah. And, and there's a chapter of the book called you are always choosing. And it's basically the whole point of the chapter is like, whether you realize it or not, you are choosing what to find important. Like, yeah. even if you are choosing not to choose, you're still choosing, you know, like it's right. impossible to get away. Like you are in every moment of your life, you are choosing whether to find something important or not. And yeah. so accepting that responsibility for choosing, uh, in my mind is, is one of the most important, maybe the most important thing for anybody to do. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's exciting. And, you know, I want to say, too, that, and I mentioned this before when we were talking before the interview, is um, the most important thing you did for me with that article and just your writing in general, which I think that article is like a nice way of just explaining one of the gifts that you give people, um, is you're, you're actually just doing it. Yeah. You know, like, in a way, like the 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 ABCs A plus B plus C equals D of that concept yeah it's like it's there yeah but what's really what's really awesome is seeing you embody that yeah as you write as you do publicity as you do the marketing as like Deadpool yeah great example right like Deadpool Deadpool (laughs) was so that movie was just fucking amazing and there was so much congruency throughout it like you could tell that that Ryan Reynolds or whoever was in charge of that whole deal, they really decided like we're gonna do this the way we want to do it, right? And it's either gonna succeed or fail. Yeah. And their marketing for it was hilarious. Their the, everything they did was just just ripping on everything. Yeah. And then the, the movie, I mean, was just start to finish, just amazing. Yeah. And in a way, it's like they 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 just really were able to like um, be that. Yeah. You know, be Deadpool, like be what would Deadpool do and yeah. for a, for a poster, what would Deadpool do for an ad? Yeah. You know, what would Deadpool do? And so I just, I think that that's, that's what you're, you're going to naturally do in a really cool way. Yeah. Um, because, because it, it, it's like you could, the concepts are going to be, yeah, oh, that's nice take home stuff, but they're going to like come away from, from either hearing you talk or reading you. And going like that, that guy doesn't give a fuck. You know? <laughs> like it, that's you know, and and that's powerful. I really yeah. think it is. So yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it's funny. Um, I talk a little bit in the book about like you need to always be comfortable with the idea of losing something. Yeah. And um, and like hearing you talk about that, like it, it's something that I think 
I've always had with my writing uh, that actually helps it, which is like always thinking about the fact that this might all go away. You know, it's like five years from now, you know, the book could bomb. Like I said, Facebook could change a newsfeed algorithm and suddenly like nobody's reading me anymore. Right. Suddenly I got to go get a day job. Like I think about that stuff and I, that's important. Yeah. And I, and I keep that in my mind. Um, and in a weird way, it doesn't stress me out. It doesn't like make me like be like, Oh my God, I need to like do everything perfectly so that this never happens. It's more of like, like this is, this is transitory. Like everything I I come from like a Zen Buddhist background. Mm -hmm. Um, like I got really into it when I was in college and, and it kind of informs like how I see everything. And, and one thing that you're taught with that is like everything is transitory. Like everything good that happens to you will go away at some point and everything that's bad that happens to you will go away at some point. And, yeah. uh, don't get too attached to either one. And one thing I think that inspires me a lot when I write is like, it's kind of keeping that in mind because that gives me the courage to kind of take those ec- extra risks. Like there's a part in the book, it might be like my single favorite part in the book. And I really like, I was afraid to put it into the book for like a week. I wanted, I, I basically like, I had this like super serious philosophical section about pain mm-hmm. and then right in the middle of it, I wanted to create a superhero named disappointment Panda and like, talk about him drinking margaritas and i was like this is fucking insane like (laughs) but i was so excited about it that finally after like five days i i had the courage i'm like you know what i'm just gonna write the motherfucker and just see you know uh, uh, just see if it works and and sure enough i wrote it and it's like my favorite part of the book and that's great i remember i showed it to my assistant and he was like dude what do you are you sure? <laughs> oh, nice. I thought it, I thought it was the opposite. I was like, yeah, Mark. Yeah. No. I don't know about that. Pandas, uh, really? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> is he wearing a cape? I mean, what the yeah. fuck is this? It's a panda. But uh, but yeah, I love it. It's um, and again, it kind of comes back to like, in, at the end of the day, like you're writing. It needs to excite you. For if you're not excited about it, nobody else is going to be excited about it. So like, you have yeah. to like find the things that will make you excited about it. Well, parents will probably be excited about it either way. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But they don't <laughs> count. <laughs> no, they don't count. But you really need to be excited about it, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, that's awesome. I want to ask you the, the last question that I ask people on this on the show, and it's, um, and you can you can pick any time that you'd want to do this in, but um, if you could write yourself a note, mm-hmm. and that, could, that note could arrive on your desk at any point in your life, hmm. um, when would you send it back to, and then what would you write on it? Oh man. Um, in terms of your writing life, I guess you know. It's really funny you asked me this. I actually I, I wrote, I think two years ago, I wrote uh, an open letter to my 18 year old self. Nice on my site, and I'm trying to remember. I don't know if I would write to 18, but I I would write to um, definitely when I was a teenager. I uh I would basically just tell myself and, and I think this is what I said in that letter. I would tell myself not to be so scared and not take to take what was going on a few things that were going on in my life at the time that seriously and and to trust myself a little bit more cuz like I said like I didn't even realize that I was a good writer until 
was like 26. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of that had to do with, I was so, uh, I was, I was very, very, con- I mean, I know a lot of, I know every teenager is like concerned to like what other people think of them. That that's normal. Yeah. Um, but I think just given like all my family situation and my life situation and everything, like, I think I was a little bit overly sensitive to like some of the people around me and some of the things that were going on in my life about like judging who I, myself, like who I was, what I could do. And so I, I would just reassure myself about a few, a few things like that. Um, and I would encourage myself to, uh, well, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, what's like the one thing you'd want to hear probably if at that age that would have been like really if you know and you can you maybe it, sometimes when we hear that stuff we wouldn't actually get it, but if you could actually have that kid get it. I mean my teenage year, so I was like I was the kid I was the kid who slept through class, never did his homework and like still made a B on the test just cuz I was like smart. Yeah. And and I can relate to that, yeah. Could learn quickly. And there was always and I always had these like very I had all, all these other interests. You know, I was really into like programming and computers and guitar, and music and video games and a bunch of other things and and I grew up in in the middle of Texas, so I was discouraged in a lot of ways. There there was always a tension during my adolescence of like yeah, Mark is really smart and he's into like a bunch of interesting things. But he's also screwing up in school, so like is he going to be okay or not, yeah. you know? And um and my family was kind of falling ar- apart around me, so that kind of exacerbated the stress and the tension going on. Um and I think what I got as a teenager out of all that is just like I didn't feel like anybody kind of believed in me or like trusted me. Yeah. Um and so I, I, I feel like I kind of grew up uh, without, like, the confidence to maybe do some things that I I should have done. I mean, dude, I started teaching myself to program when I was, like, 13 or 14. Yeah. It's 2016. Like, if you're teaching yourself to program in 1996, like, my God. Okay, that's what I would go back and say. I'd say... Learn to program. Yeah. <laughs> it's 1996. Totally. You're going to make a fucking killing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's uh, sometimes I sometimes I just kind of shake my head like it's um, but I, I think I understand where my parents and teachers were coming from um, because back then it was risky. You know, something yeah. like, oh, if he's like not doing his homework because he wants to program like that was considered a very risky thing back then. And, you know, it's with hindsight. We can look back and see like shit. If you learn to program in the 90s, like, yeah you'd be killing it by now and what that represented and i could totally relate because i had a i actually had a, a website uh it was called truetabs.com back mm-hmm. in 99 i was in high school whatever and i'd write out because i saw guitar tabs on the internet and i was like this stuff is shit so yeah. i want to make something that's like i'm it's it's like great quality and i'm sure i won't be able to tab every song but i could do a couple hundred you know and i had and i had a lot and they were they're were really well done and i would answer every email and i started to get like you know email a day or so and yeah. this was before I had any, there was no hits I didn't know right. how many hits I was getting on the site or anything and 
but I and I had no clue that that could actually be anything yeah. like useful. I, and I went to college and I just like I just said, all right, I left it, whatever, you know. But it, it's like, but there was definitely a part of me that knew I could do something with this. Right. Like if I really just trusted myself and listened to my own, you know, um, intuition about all that stuff or where I could do or what I could do with my life. Yeah. You know, I didn't need the the dot com era to tell me the internet was useful. I already knew it was useful, yeah. but I just wasn't really listening to myself yeah. in a way. So I can relate to what you're saying. Yeah, you know? I definitely, I, I feel a little bit of, uh, not regret, regret's too strong of a word, but um, it's a, a little bit of frustration. Like I, I made some websites too in high school. I, in fact, I made a website. I, I bought the domain uh, stupidshit.com <laughs> and it was like, it was nothing but I would I would search for like news stories of people doing really dumb things like Darwin Award type things. Yeah. Uh, and I would post it on there. And then I just kind of like I lost interest or, you know, stuff started um, got distracted or got too busy to keep up with it. But, yeah, sometimes I look back. I'm like, what if I actually kept up with all that stuff? Like, it's yeah. I, I had um like I said earlier, like I used to play a lot of video games. Um well, I'm back to playing a lot of video games now. <laughs> I've like rediscovered my love for That's video great. games. Um, but trust, when, trust yourself, man. It's yeah. going somewhere, right? <laughs> <laughs> Stick with it. Um, but yeah, when I was a teenager, I played tons and tons of video games. And I remember one of the guys I used to play Quake with, um, he started uh, like a video game website. Yeah. Um, where, you know, you just post like reviews and cheats and right. screenshots or whatever. Uh, and actually, like I did a little bit of work on it with them like i would help him out with it occasionally but he actually like he got to the point where he was working on the website so much that he just kind of stopped playing quake altogether and i remember thinking that was so lame yeah 10 years later he owns like this huge network of video game websites that's doing like you know tens of millions of impressions a month he's yeah. probably like he's making boatloads of money yeah uh you know, from advertising and whatnot, but like it became his career. Like it, yeah. He, he ended up making tons and tons of money. But now we probably just sound like old men, yeah. like pontificating, like yeah. what if? Yeah. No, I tell. I mean, in in a sense, like we weren't that late adopting. You know, in the grand scheme of things, right? Everybody, yeah. but but we could have been earlier, and maybe that's just always going to be that. Like, oh. I'm, if I'd have just trusted back, you know, I could have been the fifth Beatle or something, yeah. or that kind of <laughs> shit, you know. So yeah, yeah, totally, yeah. Um, well, dude, thanks so much, and yeah. uh, just totally appreciate uh, everything, and um, yeah, we're looking forward to the book. Thanks, man. Yeah. Appreciate it. Thanks so much for listening to the show. I hope you enjoyed that interview and that conversation as much as I did. Don't forget to check out Mark's new book, The Subtle Art of Not giving a fuck available wherever fine books are sold especially amazon.com and take a take a check it out i'm really excited to get it myself i'm actually recording this right now in july so i haven't got a chance to read it yet but i can guarantee you by the time you listen to this podcast i will have read it i'm looking forward to it if you want to listen to more go to darkenthepage.com or check us out on itunes if you're enjoying the show I would really, really, really love it if you gave us a rating and review. There's a reason why the podcasters always ask for rating and reviews, and it's because it helps increase our iTunes SEO. So the more ratings and reviews we have, the more iTunes takes us seriously. And then if people search for things like writing or creative writing, Darken the Page will pop up and they get to listen to it. You can also send me an email. Darkenthepage at gmail.com is the way to reach me. 
And as always, thanks for listening. Make sure you're subscribed on iTunes and share with your friends. And until next week, go make great art.